0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete.
0: How you doing, Nikki Kinzer? I'm
1: doing pretty good on this uh, this day. This day. This day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is that where we
0: are? We've totally given up on identifying days. That's good. That's, sad- that's yeah. satisfying. It's satisfying. Yeah. Uh, we just got the word <laughs> that we are uh, that we're uh, stuck until I think July sixth. Now they've extended the stay at home. So great! That's awesome.
1: Really, I've not heard that. That's our fair like,
0: governor Kate Brown yesterday. That affects you too, Nikki Kinzer.
1: I thought that she was going to try to open some stuff yeah. on our uh, on May fifteenth.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's just uh, you have just the latest the, news? The long march to the sea. That's all we're doing is just the long march. But that's okay because we have... A delightful guest who's going to keep us uh, in a, in good spirits by teaching us wonderful things uh, that we need to learn about our ADHD. Before we do that, though, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we will send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, or if you just just like hanging out with the guests that we have on this show, like today's guest, who is amazing, you should head over to patreon.com slash theADHDpodcast. For just a few bucks a month, you can join one of our tiers and access our online community of ADHD. uh, Wonderful ADHD patrons who share their stories and support with one another through our online Discord community or our online Facebook page. uh, Just for the group, you can watch the live stream of the show each week as we record it, and you can get access to the podcast in your very own members' podcast feed a week early uh, before everybody else, and it doesn't even have any ads in it, so Uh, it's all great news. And I will say, I made a pitch last week that we had a new product coming to the store, and uh, it's here. So if you want to get your very own non-medical-grade masks sporting the ADHD logo stuff, you can do that now. But it's a little bit tricky. You have to go over to our merchandise page before, I think, probably 10 a.m. Pacific time each day. They restock each morning. So if you go later in the day, they're probably out of them. Uh, Frankly, it is a very complicated time for people who are manufacturing masks and uh, especially logo merch masks. They only get about a thousand a day for everyone that they are providing masks for. So This is the deal. You show up before 10 o'clock. You place your order. It takes two weeks to 20 days to get your mask with the logo stuff on them. Uh, I will tell you the masks are $15 and for every one mask that you buy, the non-medical grade mask they will send a medical-grade mask to Direct Relief, which will be distributed to frontline healthcare workers. It is a, a great way to give back to the community in just a, a small part. If, you feel, if you're feeling like me, uh, a little bit lost, I ordered five masks for everybody in my family and I just feel like it, it's, it's going to do us some good. And, uh, you know, I love those squirrels so, so much. So uh, head over to takecontroladhd.com slash merch. Take control adhd.com slash merch if you want to get in on one of those masks. You just have to click on the design and then um, you know select the masks and you'll you'll see them there. It's easy to find. So thanks everybody. Dr. Michelle Frank is here. She's a clinical psychologist specializing in providing diagnostic and treatment services to individuals with ADHD. Her work with clients is all about finding strengths-based approaches to learning how to live with ADHD. And the last time she was here, she helped us through all of the things we needed to know about shame and how it impacts relationships. And unfortunately, it turns out, We weren't finished. There is more guilt, (laughs) shame, and relativism to talk about in ADHD than we ever would have expected. So she's back to help us uh, level up a little bit. Uh, She's uh, Her book, last time she was here, her book was about to come out. This is a book she co-authored with Sarah Solden, A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD, embracing neurodiversity, live embrace neurodiversity, live boldly, and break through barriers. So many words for me to put in my mouth. It is now out and you can go get it. Link in the show notes. Welcome back, Dr. Michelle Thank Frank. Thank you.
2: I'm so excited
1: to be here. Welcome. Uh, we were talking about different um Avenues, and I had some inspiration here uh, from one of our members of Discord. They were having a conversation around feeling guilty um, for having fun or being happy during the pandemic, uh, when so many people are are negatively affected by by COVID. Um, that was one. that, you know, I wanted, I thought would be a good thing to address. Uh, But it was also a couple of other things is feeling strange about when they hear about what other people are doing. So whether they're having fun or they're getting like things really organized and cleaned out and they're doing all these projects at home, but they're just staying at home. So there's kind of this like guilt, right, of of, uh, I should be doing more. Um, Kind of thing. And then there was also some conversation around what's normal, what people should be doing. Um, And I, you know, notice I use the word should right in quotes uh so it got me thinking about a show and a topic and how could we kind of wrap all this stuff um into into one and what kind of came to me was this like cycle of comparison guilt and shame it's like the comparison kind of comes first right you're looking at what everyone else is doing the guilt kind of starts to set in because you're not doing that And then the shame comes in by, okay, I must be a bad person because I'm not doing that. Does that, you guys understand where I'm coming from?
0: Well, and it's funny. It's very timely, too. I just opened, I opened the, my my news reader this morning and read this, this article on that just popped up about uh, COVID snitching, Uh, people who are so, like, they are so frustrated by uh what they see with people like flouting uh you know recommendations stay-at-home orders they're going out they're not wearing masks they show up at events that they're starting to call the police when they see like groups of kids outside their house or um you know i <laughs> i was social the, policing yeah, yeah social policing mm-hmm. and they were they and i thought it was interesting because that's that's what i would call it right social policing but they did call it Covid snitching. And that sounds thought, way That's, That's so way like you really can market. Guys. I would that. click that. I would right. click that. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but there is this there is this other sense that I find myself dealing with, and I'm you know for I don't know uh, the the ADHD part I, I struggle with a little bit because I might have a feeling of um, you know guilt that I'm not getting enough done or shame that I'm not you know living my my COVID quarantine life to its fullest extent. Uh, but I also have this darker side that I perseverate on the schadenfreude, the look You who are opening your state today, like I don't want more people to die, but I also do want you to get a message, and that feels really dark. And it's one of those, it's one of those uninterruptible patterns that I find I can get myself in, and that sort of leads to more guilt and more shame and more comparison and guilt and shame in that cycle. So there's my my three and a half cents.
2: That's a good point. You know, I've even found myself feeling like getting sort of stuck in this feeling of like not being a good enough therapist or, or feeling like a fraud because some days I'm not doing the things I I know to do to cope well. You know, like, mm-hmm. I know all the things and then don't always do the things. And so I guess that's just to say, I'm not sure we can ever fully escape that voice. It's about getting to a place where, you know, we don't get onto the train car with it and take it cross country, right? Like we, Mm -hmm. it gets quieter, it gets softer. It has less of an influence on our mood and what we choose to do or not. But, you know, can we ever get rid of that voice? I I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we can learn how to do it differently. Mm. So let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but I guess before we talk about the how, I am curious to know, and, and Michelle, you and I were talking about this in via email, kind of back and forth a little bit about the psychology behind what we're experiencing with COVID and its effects on mental health, because we are certainly see, seeing that. Um, so I, I'm curious from your standpoint, what's happening here?
2: Oh, what isn't, Right. Um, so Mm -hmm. a lot is happening and I think, um, we're starting to talk about mental health. Um, and we're going to continue to have to, because it's, it's going to be a pertinent issue for some time. Um, not that it wasn't before. Right. But, um, it's
1: going to get bigger. Yeah. It's going
2: to get bigger. yeah. Yeah. What I'm seeing is a lot of folks who were struggling with anxiety or depression or loneliness, you know, body image, eating stuff, anything you were struggling with before, probably going to come up. There's a like a phrase, uh, stress and regress, right? Like we all sort of regress a bit under intense stress, and when there's a lot of change that we feel we can't keep up with, so we're definitely seeing a rise in in anxiety, and depression, and loneliness. If you're at home you know with your family where there's a lot going on in those dynamics all that's coming to the surface if you're quarantined together right so mm-hmm. there's a lot going on on that end but even from the perspective of just like your 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 day-to-day you know average joe or josephine's mental health and daily functioning let's be clear we are experiencing a global community trauma mm-hmm. and it's one that is ongoing And typically, we integrate and make sense of and make meaning from trauma and once it's over. But this sort of just keeps unfolding and there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with that. And the, the, the human brain and body definitely don't appreciate too much uncertainty. And so we're all being thrown into a stress response. One model I like to think about is, it's called the window of tolerance. So I just, I want you to imagine like a, a yellow bar or a Lego, and that has window of tolerance, zone of tolerance written on it. In that space, we are safe and social. We connect, we can be creative. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of people saying they're hitting creative blocks lately. Mm -hmm. Um, We can problem solve. We feel clear and good. Now, right above that, stack a red Lego. And on that's written hyper arousal. That's fight or flight. That's anxiety, anger, irritability, um, you know, increased heart rate. I I call that home. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, a, Uh, yeah, it's a a sympathetic nervous system response to, you know, to get you moving in response to a threat. Or, you know, to go home, Pete. And so then underneath the yellow block, there's a blue leg out. And that's hypoarousal. That's freeze. And that typically happens when fight or flight don't work or when we can't escape the stressor. Like nothing's working. And so we start shutting down. On an extreme level for folks who have experienced trauma, that looks like dissociation and and very serious depression. But for those without those predispositions or past experiences, it might look like numbing out, uh, not feeling present, just collapsing on the couch with overwhelm. Now, I don't know about you, but this three-tiered structure looks a lot like daily ADHD life too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I like- was just saying, I don't
0: even know what to call that vacation home, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. That's yeah. Right. I yeah. go back and forth. <laughs> right. It's so, so rare that I'm actually <laughs> like in that yellow block. I would just swing from right, place to so place. Just, yeah.
2: Like it just makes me think, you know, th- it makes perfect sense. The ADHD brain struggles to regulate arousal states and it struggles to regulate it, Emotion states. So it makes perfect sense that the ADHD brain would do a lot of bouncing in this this bounce. Ba- we'll call it a bounce house now. It went from <laughs> Lego structure to bounce house, <laughs> right? And but everyone is experiencing some form of this. It might be, you know, sort of stress response light. Uh, and some people really are just chilling out in the zone of tolerance. But for a lot of folks, they kind of bounce back and forth all day long. And our is our bodies and brains trying to make sense of what's going on.
1: Is it common then for, I mean, I, I would think that this is probably common even outside of COVID, but I'm just curious for ADHDers to compare themselves when they see people in the yellow and they think, oh, that's where I need to be.
2: Gosh, you know, there, there's research on the increased negative self-talk and negative thought patterns that happen for folks with ADHD that is very real. But I don't know about you know, you guys and your experiences, but um, in my personal experience and with my clients, I hear a lot of comparison to um, this, this bar of ideal expectation that is set around neurotypical functioning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and idealizes it.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is exactly it. That's the comparison thing because, uh, I'm idealizing, uh, not just behavior, but identity, right? Yes, when I look, ex-
2: there you go. That's there you it. go.
0: That's it. Oh, I just, you just put that together. Add another Lego block. Add or- another
2: block. <laughs> yeah. Identity. <Green>. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, There ends up being a lot of um, self statements like I am not good enough. I am too much. I'm uh, irresponsible. I'm a burden. I'm not a good parent. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. I am uh, not a good partner. I'm not a good friend. Like it just goes straight to I am. And then it becomes all consuming. Yeah one thing goes wrong, and then boom, I'm, I am bad.
0: Yeah, if I look at somebody you know, on you know social media, Instagram, whatever, who is making good use of that, oh my gosh, they wrote another novel, uh, then I start to misappropriate the, the behavior for the identity, uh, and, yes. and so I'm thinking, well, if only I could write a book and focus on a book, then I would be a better person. But because I can't, I must be a failure. I I must be bad. I must be awful. I'm going to die alone. And I don't even need to say those words because I'm saying, well, they wrote a book. That feeling, I don't even need the negative self-talk anymore. It's like a shortcut around the words themselves for me to feel crappy. This is great. Totally. Great.
2: Totally. You know what's interesting (laughs) is research on comparison Uh, really fascinates me because it is something we do. It's it makes evolutionary sense like we're always scanning the environment and not, you know other people to make sure we're okay
0: mm-hmm.
2: um oh they they got sick after they ate that don't eat that like th- that's helpful uh, but they wrote a book during a global pandemic and i didn't not helpful uh, but research says that we are terrible terrible accurate observers and comparers <laughs> we always compare ourselves to above average yeah. Um metrics or characteristics, even when and this is the funny part, even when those traits are not desirable, so if you say compare yourself to someone who acts in a you know rudely has rude behavior, even that we will overshoot like <laughs> it's we're just bad at it <laughs> but we take it for truth
0: yeah yeah yeah,
2: right right
0: well we and you can, and you think about that yeah. like in mass media, I think about that when I look at um you know, anytime I happen across a like a true crime story and I think, oh, I could have stolen more than that guy or like <laughs> yeah. God, if only he tried harder, he could have, you know, done more damage or something like that. That's totally true. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? <laughs> That's, <it>. That's nuts. <laughs>
1: You're in you're in constant competition. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It is so interesting, though, Michelle, when you said they take it as true, like it is the truth. And and it's so I see it time and time again, especially with women and um, around being a parent you know mothering and i'm a stay-at-home mom i should have the house in order i should be doing this i should be doing that well my neighbor who's newer typical, she seems to be doing just fine but in reality she's not she's also a huge mess right like she, but she maybe isn't i don't know i think i she probably is communicating it right but they don't necessarily see it i don't yeah. know but it is it's it's taking something that's so true and yet it's so uh self-sabotaging it's so um it just doesn't serve you in any way so how how do you even
2: get to a point where you see that yeah Yeah, where
1: you recognize wait a minute this may not be what what i see or think may not be true
2: i think when it starts to feel bad that's a good (laughs) sign to to just stop and and sit and i do think it's important to get into a space of discernment and ask yourself what is the essence of the thing i think i want so perhaps i want the tidy house like my neighbor has perhaps i want you know the fit body like the girl at you know pilates class but what is the essence of that that i'm actually looking for is it living up to a uh, an external mandate that's just made up or Is it that a tidy house would feel like clarity and a fit body would feel like energy and strength? Because from there you can say, okay, what does it look like to feel clarity today for me, for me? What does it look like to feel strong today for me? And we can reorient uh, from the inside out we all tend to orient first from the outside in. Again, it's that social referencing we do to make sure we're, we're doing okay. But we research has shown us we're really bad at that. So we might as well take a different route, mm-hmm. one that brings us more joy.
1: I really like what you said. What, what is clarity for me? I think that that for me is a really important part of adding that to your internal conversation. I love that.
2: It's not going to look the way it looks for any other person, Mm -hmm. regardless of their use space on the neurodiversity spectrum.
1: And also, I think comparing, I see this time and time again, too, comparing yourself to other ADHDers. Well, they have ADHD and look at how well they are put together. So again, I think going back to what is it for me? What works for me? What do I need?
0: I I don't know how, uh, just a shout out to our community, because I don't know how the ADHD group has it doesn't have more of of that. When I'm hanging around on our Discord group, I don't I don't feel like I'm comparing myself to other ADHDers in that community. But as soon as I go out and look at other people who are somehow <laughs> appear so miraculously successful with their ADHD, then I start to to really think about that. That is crazy talk. Why would I be like even if I were standing next to me, if I had another me right here, it would be ridiculous for me to try to compare myself to that guy. I, I, that is like climbing a ladder with no rungs because <laughs> we're just trying to get through the day and uh, and I I feel like it's important to acknowledge, to acknowledge that. And so I think about you the the word that really stood out to me is discernment. Um because that is that is like we love to say a muscle, right? That's a thing we have to learn to do. And it takes practice and it takes daily effort and heavy lifting to figure out am I lying to myself today about my own reality?
2: Right. Mm. Right. Reinventing our voice and rewriting the narrative takes practice. Yeah. We don't just wake up one day suddenly with like nothing but positive self-talk in our mind. Yeah. We have to seek that out. That Our brain naturally goes towards finding the bad stuff so we can protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. But you know, then we end up in this space, again, the stress response, we end up in the space of overprotection. And we can't be in protection and connection at the same time. Not, you can have boundaries. You can't be overprotected and guarding against all of these negative thoughts, all of these external messages about how you should or shouldn't be and still thrive.
0: Can, can I say a question? You're talking about a stress response, right? And I know that there is a, a sort of. Uh-huh. Uh, a a clinical discussion around stress response that we've been having. But is there such a thing as a trust response, Uh, as as uh, like conditioning yourself to look at the world in such a way or to respond to stimulus in such a way that says, hey, I'm going to be okay when I look at this thing like I am I've I've achieved this the space of being in a trust response. I'm going to trust that this is okay.
2: I love that trust response. You know, like science would say that's, the, uh, that's what we would call the ventral vagal state. That's that safe and social space, ultimately. And it takes practice. It takes practice recognizing um, the cues of safety. You have to look for those instead of just what in this moment is proof that something's wrong or I'm doing something wrong or I'm not good enough. What if we looked for proof of the opposite, that actually we're safe and okay? Mm -hmm. And kind of moving into that space, writing them down if you have to, like keeping um, a log of what are the signs and cues that I'm okay?
0: That's it, right, is is figuring out how to define for me what... What makes the world an okay place to be in right now? What makes the world a place that's more calming, not more anxious? Because I'm really good at the other stuff. I'm really good at living in the red brick, but I'm often not so good at you know putting on an old Prince record and like chilling with a guitar and loving it. Like I'm just not good at that. And I was good at that when I was a kid, but uh, I'm I'm not good at at sitting still anymore and recognizing the the icons the objects the the signals that everything's okay
2: yeah i think i think art music and nature are really good at getting us there and then like we slowly add in trusted people maybe later like maybe it starts with your pet and you know uh, on a nature walk and that's where you feel safe mm-hmm. but then you can slowly kind of branch out but it's interesting what you say like, like you you feel that that's gotten taken away. And I wonder if part of it is that as we get older we have just keep internalizing these mandates about what we're supposed to be. And we're supposed to be productive and, you know, work a certain way and look a certain way and do things a certain way. We it's not okay to just be. And you were in a state like then when you're listening to Prince Records and chilling out with your you're just you're just being. Mm -hmm. And we've got so wrapped up in doing that we forget about being and that that in and of itself is worthy.
1: Yeah, that's beautifully said, because that is so true. I think that uh, people then feel guilty about doing the guitar and playing music because they think that they should be doing something else.
0: Well, because, I mean, look at the practical reality is the second I sit down and press play and start strumming along or whatever I'm doing and just being, I'm also somewhere in the back of my mind being late for something else or suddenly being aware that I've dropped the ball and I've let somebody down. Like, that is also a contingent state of my reality with ADHD. And so that's that's the muscle, like how like figuring out a way to recognize those signals and let them be loud enough that I can silence the the other stuff is is, you know, the real challenge.
1: Well, and I'd have to say, Pete, that would be the question, too, of how true is that all the time? Because you you, you know, right, because you jump to the conclusion that I might be late to I like I'm late to something. I should be doing something else. But is that really true? Maybe at that moment at eight o'clock at night, it really is OK for you to be doing that. So kind of, you know, second, not get set, not second guessing, but
0: I do this all the time, Nikki. And that is so astute. I will sit down and think that I'm okay for a hot second and immediately I'll just be in a space of late, late for what? I can't answer that (laughs) behind on what I I don't know. I'm sure there's something right? Like I, if I can't, that maybe is a thing. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down with my, I'm going to keep my little uh, uh, field notes with me. And when I come up to that feeling of, am I late? I'm going to write down what it's for. What am I late for? What am I behind on? Uh, And is anybody's head on fire if I don't do it right now? Because I don't, I don't do that enough. I usually just count on, okay, I'm, I'm missing it. And I think I miss a lot of Stillness as a result.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't drop into the emotion of it either. Like we're afraid to to sit with that discomfort that's coming up. But if we sit with it for a minute, we can usually untangle from it pretty quickly yeah. and get back to peace. I was talking to Dwayne, the the president of ADA, the Attention Deficit Disorder Association, um, the other day, and we were actually talking about something very similar. And he said, "Michelle, get out your get out your calendar." Okay, Dwayne. And uh, he said, <laughs> "All right." I want you to find one hour in the next three days where you do absolutely nothing. And I want you to schedule it in like a client appointment. Oh, Twain. I said, well, I, and I was like, (laughs) Twain. And I was like, well, I mean, I I do that. I I schedule like me time. He's no, no, time to do nothing, nothing. Naval gaze or whatever the, the phrase, you know, nothing, like stare at a wall.
0: It is, it is really telling that you had to actually reach for navel gaze, whatever that is.
2: Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Case in point. I don't know how to do that, right? Like, yeah. I, it, that felt so foreign, but I've been practicing it for um, a little bit now, and I've got to tell you, I, I really, really like it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> because That's often as awesome. these other things creep in, the shoulds creep in. Be yeah. well, oh, uh, you know, I'm laying here, I'm watching a show, but, you know, um, I really should be doing, you know, some push ups or, or, laundry you know, straightening or up the laundry while I'm sitting. Yeah. Like, no, just, just stop. Just stop. And I don't know who says this quote, but it's, it's a, um, don't move the way fear makes you move, move the way peace me- makes you move. Hmm. And I like that. I think it helps to seek out the joy like move the way that brings joy because joy isn't it isn't a dopamine rush it's not it's not numbing out it's not adrenaline hit it's it's presence it's like that moment and presence in the moment i think that is a much better um compass for what's good and what comes from within than trying to stay away from what doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's easier to orient from a place of this does make me feel good in a way that's like good, good, not just immediate gratification. Good. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easier to start there than it is to back up from, I feel bad. Now I have to undo, you know, kind of work my way out of the shame spiral and then start again.
1: So I, I'm curious because you have said just in the last Couple minutes. Two words that are really interesting to me: untangling and shame, which is a part of your book title, right? So I'm curious. Uh, I know in your book, I've read it. There's a lot of different questions, a lot of insightful questions and exercises for people to to do with what we're going, what what with what we've been talking about and what we're going on. How does that apply in in situation? Like how how could somebody go pick up your book and actually use it for for what we're talking about?
2: The book talks a lot about untangling from shame messages in a more general sense related to living with ADHD. And it starts with helping you break down where some of those messages came from in the first place. Mm. Um, Where did you first experience the message that your differences were, quote, bad or not okay, um, or that having unique needs was not something that was okay to assert and set boundaries around. Where did these messages originally come from? Because again, when we pause and we notice I'm feeling shame and we sit with it a lot of times, the past is coming into the present. And it can be so helpful just to say... Just recognize this this is not that. This is not that. I am here now. Right? Like I I have a new choice now. I am an adult now. I have agency in this moment. Um and then it's dropping into the body and, and kind of doing a body scan, seeing what do I feel? Where do I feel it? And what information does that give me about what I actually need? So again it's it's really a big big pause button. It's a huge process of slowing down mm-hmm. and becoming the observer of the experience rather than living in it and from it. When we are in the experience of I'm not good enough, I'm too much, I'm forgetting something, I'm a mess up. We get flooded with emotions. And uh, you know, it's just like a a water slide just spiral right on down. Those thoughts just get worse and worse, more and more mean, and the emotions follow, okay? So we have to pump the brakes on that. And by pausing, taking a few breaths, getting present with what we're experiencing, and then by naming it, name it to tame it, calling out the thoughts, calling out the shame, we can kind of start to see it more as some, like one part of our experience. So we're not fused with it. We're taking a step back so that we can like, be the observer and say, okay, well, what, what do I, Michelle, want to do with this moment? Instead of you know, feeling like our hair is on fire because we're so flooded with emotion that it's just totally become us. So we have to kind of pause so that those emotions come to a more workable space so, we can make some new decisions,
1: yeah, but when you were okay, so that's good, so when you are flooded, you can't make those decisions, so that's why you're saying you have to pause and really take a step back, and I like what you were saying before, too, of remembering that where the messages came from isn't true now, like you you have the power to change that story, um right, like you have that. That I I feel like that's a really strong message to be able to to walk through that and not just accept that because my second grade teacher said this. That doesn't apply to me now as a woman in my 40s. I say in my 40s because I'm not you know closer right in 40. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> and from that space we can say okay we can get back to that personal values question of okay well what does it mean to have a space that feels good to me today. It's, you know, not hyper-organized Pinterest board, beautiful. Right. But we can get back to like, okay, but what, okay, what really matters to me? Mm -hmm. When we're flooded with emotion, when our minds are going 50 miles a minute down, like the negative self-appraisal railway, literally like resources are draining from our frontal lobe. We are just, we're not there. Right We're in the red, or we get to the blue lego we are not we are not capable we have we have to slow it down
1: so how does that look if you know i mean it's pretty common for somebody to say, "I'm so overwhelmed, I just shut down that's a that's a very i think common um thing for people to feel like when you were talking about the whole Lego thing in the first place, this is a d h d right? We kind of can see that so when you are in the shutdown. The, the blue Lego,
2: how, how do you create that space? How do you get the bounce back in your, house? Yeah. your bounce house? yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I feel like it is so easy for me to get lost in the sea of unrealistic expectations in the world. And I, what I'm sitting here musing on and uh, that I, I'm struggling with is I also, Like, my my initial instinct is turn off every screen. Like, don't take in any external signal for for a while, right? Shut it all down. And... I live in a world that is connected this way, and my job is singularly required, uh, uh, requires of me to be connected in this way if I am to put food on the table. And so I'm trying to find the balance in my head. Like, what does it look like to have bounce in my house and to be enabled to live as a modern contributor to a struggling economy, (laughs) right, Uh, in in such a way that um, I can both wade into what I know is the sea of unrealistic expectations and also be strong enough in the, the present, in the me, and the who I am in my own identity that I don't need to compare it to somebody else's. And I, I maybe that's the, I guess that's the brass ring, right? Like, I, I, how do I get to a point where I'm so comfortable as me that I don't need to see me in you?
2: That that brings up so many thoughts for me. It's like, um, you know, that ADHD thing when 10 thoughts hit at once, that's that's happening.
0: I don't know anything Um, about
2: that. (laughs) At all, (laughs) at all. First of all, we're interdependent beings. We always have the need to see ourselves in other people and have them reflect us back. We don't escape that. Mm. We shouldn't escape that fully. Um, Social referencing can be helpful when it's not, taken to the destructive place you're talking about but i think part of it is also surrounding ourselves with the people who we can say hey can you like you know i i could use some affirmation or just i could use a moment to vent those people in our lives who reflect us back positively um yeah, because that's a really good eat, point, and I think
0: that that twist is important to me. That it, it is not so much people that I need to see myself in other people; it's surround myself by the people that I want to see myself in other people. Yes. Right? That drive me to there something new, and 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 that I am grateful that they might see a bit of themselves in me. There you go. You
2: know, or you know, provide an act of service where, like, acts of service tend to get us out of our own minds and, like, sort of back into that sense of shared humanity that can be really helpful. Um, you know, Nikki, you mentioned like that overwhelm that happens in those moments too. Um, how do I get the bounce back? I think it's important to remember that emotions really are their energy. They are like chemical and electric uh impulses, you know, in our running through our brains. And so it needs, they need to move. They need to be honored and dealt with. And then like, we need to keep moving. What, when we really shut down is when we push it all away. We oh, push it all away, a but really it could point because you're not dealing with, you're it not dealing. Time. Yeah. So of course it's too much, but the thing is for people with ADHD, even a little bit can feel like too much, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not quite the same as if we were talking about someone who's neurotypical. hmm because with ADHD, the, the small thing can send you into complete overwhelm and it's not proportionate in the way we'd expect. So it does look like, again, slowing down, breaking it down to the smallest possible piece. And I, like, I just really love the question, what is the next right action? What is the next best thing? Maybe it's just go get a glass of water and then you make another new decision. But how do I create some movement? If you're in total shutdown... One, you, you do need to think about how can I feel like, safe in this moment? Would it feel good to have a cup of tea or a walk or a shower or talk to a friend or curl up and just take a half-hour break? Or would it help to do some jumping jacks or you know, have a, a dance party to some music and literally get some energy flowing again? Uh, but ADHDers struggle to take breaks, I've noticed, because yeah. it feels like we can't afford to. -hmm. Because of all the stuff, all the stuff that's not done, all of the time that we were losing, and this sense of urgency that's with us always. Uh, You alluded to that, Pete, that sense of like just urgency that's lingering. So taking breaks can be really difficult and feel pretty uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I've found that they're really, really important. Mm -hmm. And it comes down ultimately just giving yourself permission to do it. Mm -hmm. A lot of us talk ourselves out of doing the things that are good for us because how can i do that when oh my goodness
0: mm-hmm. uh wow, Michelle, so much. what are you doing <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry i'm sorry you i do i know, know
0: i can see it Love your brain it. goes completely fireworks and then you drop these bombs and i'm going to be thinking about this all day uh,
1: this is a great great topic i'm yeah. so glad you were here to to talk to us about it
0: well and so ably navigated what uh, i I went into this this morning thinking, how are we going to shape a conversation around these three unrelated things: Phillips head screwdriver, uh, coffee cup, and cell phone? <laughs> and yet, you managed to do it. Like it's just, it's just delightful. You're you're amazing. Thank you so much. Where do you now? You've moved since the last time we had you on the show. Where are you? Where do you want people to go find you?
2: Yeah, I'm located in uh, Denver now at Enrich Relationship Center of Colorado. Uh, so my professional website is enrichrela- enrichcenter.org. dot um, you can shoot me an email, drfrank at enrichcenter.org. Uh, you can also find uh, my in series work at adhdradicalguide.com. Uh we keep posting, you know, blog pieces or media pieces, stuff like that there. So that's where you can find me also at at ADHD underscore doc on Instagram.
0: There you go. There's great. you wading into the the. To, see. Now I, apparently I can't go there anymore because I'll start comparing myself to you. Or maybe you're exactly <laughs> who I need to be comparing myself
2: to. Yeah. How about that? That's uh,
0: right. This has been great, uh, Michelle. Thank you so so much for joining us you're and welcome. joining our community. And uh, uh, thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this show. We deeply appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control the ADHD podcast.